1: to the Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket.
2: Welcome to this live podcast uh, for the Paddock and the Pavilion from the Jockey Club Rooms in Newmarket to celebrate Ellen Challoner, the first woman trainer on this special day, International Women's Day. Uh, Welcome to the show, Joe. Uh, and your title, you're the communications lead for the jockey club in the eastern region. Uh, thanks for joining me. Uh,
3: what exciting news have you got to uh, let the audience know today? So, as as many people will know, the campaign that has been run by various members of the Chandler family was to... Um, see that Ellen and the site where she's buried um, in Newmarket is properly commemorated, as people will expand on later, I'm sure, because of the time that she died, she was buried in an unmarked grave. Um, So the Jockey Club was approached about this probably kind of 14, 15 months ago um, and asked to support it, which we were very happy to do. But as we were going through the campaign, we, we began to think about if there are other ways which Ellen could be commemorated, particularly... You know, using the assets which the Jockey Club has at its disposal. So in the background we have been working away and I'm delighted to announce that there will be a race on Kipco 2000 Guineas Day, um, a listed race which has been permanently renamed in honour of Ellen Chaloner. So on Newmarket's biggest day of the year, for as long as that race exists, the Ellen Chaloner Stakes will be run.
2: That's fantastic news, uh, Joe. I'm, I'm sure everyone in the family would really like to thank you and and Sophie May clark for the the work you've been doing over say the last fifteen months uh, to to make this announcement possible today.
3: well, it, it's very much a, a team effort really. as i as I said at the top, I think this has been a, a campaign that has been ongoing for some time and it's involved efforts from all sorts of members of the family, researchers, um, you know members of the media, the New market journal. everybody has has come together and I think, Everybody who has kind of heard about Ellen's story has been, you know, inspired by it to a degree because, you know, clearly this this predates what many people understand as the start of women being racehorse trainers by seventy or eighty years, and it, it, it it's very difficult to imagine what it would have been like to be to be a trainer as a woman in those days. Full stop. But but let alone to go on to the success that she had as a trainer. So we've been delighted to to play a small part in ensuring that she is. She is properly commemorated, and I think you know, Newmarket and, and the Jockey Club have an extraordinary his- history, and it's important that we celebrate that history whenever we can. So it's been a it's been a great project to be involved in. And this race is a formerly known as the Kilvington Stakes is a listed fillies race. That's correct, yeah, yeah. So, it's run over six furlongs. It's for fillies, three-year-old and uh, older. It was, until relatively recently, run um, at Nottingham, hence it was named after a village in Nottinghamshire, Um, but it it transferred to Newmarket. It was run last year, but yes, um, we, we needed to change the name to find something more appropriate and... I don't think we could have found anything more appropriate than to name it after after Ellen ensure that, you know, her name is there, you know, on our biggest day of the year and, and indeed the first running is obviously on the same, same day as the King's Coronation when even more eyes will be on, on Newmarket than they may have been otherwise. And I believe it's scheduled to be the first race on 2000 Guineas Day. Yes, that's the plan. There is, a, there is a degree of flexibility only because of the timings of the coronation and the ceremonial events on the day. We need to ensure that racing fits in with those suitably. But it will certainly be run at some stage on that day and, and you know, we'd very much like members of the family to, um, to join us and, yeah, celebrate Ellen once again on what's going to be a, um, a very, very special day.
2: Well, hopefully they will um, come along on the May the 6th, uh, Saturday, May the 6th. And thank you very much for being our first guest, Joe. Pleasure. I'd now like to call uh, Dr. Esther Harper as our second guest. Uh, Esther, thank you very much for making that journey across from Wiltshire today.
1: My pleasure.
2: You did a PhD in the history of horse racing when you were working at the National Horse Racing Museum, which also has connections with the Chaloner family. But just to fill in some gaps about Ellen, when and when was she born, where was she born? And give us a bit of detail about her racing family.
1: So um, Ellen was born in Yorkshire in 1846. She was one of eleven children, and she was born into what I guess you can call a, a died-in-the-wall racing family. So her her father John Osborne was a, a well-established trainer, and um, her brother as well uh, went into the family business as a jockey, and also made quite a name for himself. So I guess Ellen would have grown up much like farmers' children do today. You you learn the job from from the day that you're running around as a small child, and so she would have probably observed training racehorses from a very young age. And she married
2: Tom Challoner, who was apprentice to her father.
1: Uh, yes, she did. So I'm afraid I can't tell you the exact year when that happened. Um, but um, so she married Tom Challoner, who was, who was working for her father. And they eventually relocated to uh, Newmarket, where he became a well known jockey and then a trainer himself. But um, he died quite suddenly at a very young age, only 47 years old. And so when that happened, she basically found herself at at Osborne House in Newmarket with a yard full of horses and children. And so what are you going to do? You you know how to do the job. And so she seems to have taken over as trainer at Osborne House after her husband died. So
2: how did that come about, though? She must have approached the, the jockey club at the time.
1: So in 1872... The jockey club started asking that anyone who trained on jockey club land apply to them for a licence. And so this was kind of part of a wider professionalisation of sport that happened in the latter half of the 19th century. But within racing, it was a little bit different from a sport like boxing. What they were actually trying to do is they were trying to stop amateurs from riding badly in races and spoiling the professional's fun and so this happens both in terms of training but then a year later professional jockeys have to apply for a license as well to ride in jockey club races but there still continues to be training off jockey club land and there continues to be jockeys who are able to ride um, as amateurs as well but in terms of what happened with Ellen is because she was based at Newmarket, she would have needed to race on and train her horses on Jockey Club land. So in order to do that, she had to apply for a licence, which is presumably why we see her then in Ruff's Guide, listed as a trainer the year after her husband died.
2: And you found a lot of interesting facts through the 1891 census.
1: Yeah, so census records, they just give you this fantastic tiny snapshot in time of, of who was living in a place and any visitors that may have been staying. And what we can see from that is, so Ellen is listed as a racehorse trainer in her profession. And in, in the household, there are two of her sons are both there, George and Richard. And then her daughter, Mary Ellen, is also there. And then there are two apprentice jockeys who are working there and then two... People who are listed as grooms slash stablemen. So she would have actually managed a, a number of staff alongside having sort of the overall run of the household. And it's really interesting how then, when word started to spread that there was this woman in Newmarket who was training horses, the articles that were written highlight how you know, she's a very womanly woman and she does the household and she manages that and she manages the domestic servant, but that she also knows everything about, that there is to know about training racehorses, And that's presumably why so many people, even after she stopped training, still went to her for advice. And there's a lovely anecdote that she was at Tattersall's and people assumed that she was bidding for a horse, and so they let the horse go for far less than they wanted, than really the horse was worth, because they didn't want to be seen outbidding a woman, and she wasn't bidding on the horse.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But from the work and the studies you've done, you must be delighted with the news of the recognition that she's now going to get.
1: It's so wonderful. I think, you know, it's always great when... We're able to revisit what we assume is known about history of, of sport or anything else, and to look again at, at things that we largely take as a given. Um, and I guess this is just part of part of that general process that Ellen is is finally being recognised as the first woman trainer.
2: And why do you think she has been forgotten? Because it wasn't until 1966 when Nora Wilmot and Florence Nagle got the official licenses, um, as we know today, from the Jockey Club.
1: So, basically, what we see happening during World War One is that the largely male profession and workplace of racing starts to welcome in women, because a lot of the men are away fighting. And all of a sudden, women are everywhere. They're working in the stables. They're taking horses um, to the races. they're They're riding horses in trials. And... There was, just as quickly as that occurred, the war ended and there was very much a feeling that it was important that the lads who had been away fighting had the stables and their work to come back to. And so the women are really kind of pushed to the sidelines. And so although there's lots of talk about will there be women jockeys... Will There Be Women Trainers? And in silent films in Britain, we see lots of depictions of women jockeys and women trainers. At that time, it was largely fictional. And so when Betty Tanner discovered a loophole in the town plate that allowed her to ride as a jockey, it all of a sudden became the race for women jockeys because it was the only one that was open to them. And the same thing happened for Nora Wilmot. She when her father became poorly in the 1920s, her father approached the jockey club about whether the trainer's licence could be transferred to her name because she was having to train more and more of the horses for him as he was poorly. And that was very quickly shut down. That was not allowed. But of course, she continued training in the background. She just had to find a way around it. And so there were a number of women who then trained. And by this point you know, the wording around who could have a trainer's licence had changed slightly. Previously, it said persons. Then persons was reinterpreted to mean men and clearly stipulated as such on the back of Wilmot's request. So all of a sudden, the door that was not really open, not really closed, was well and truly closed. And so it wasn't until the 1960s when then Nora Wilmot and Florence Nagel were able to reopen the door... By in effect threatening to go all the way to the High Court, that it was then overturned and women were then able to hold trainer's licenses again in Britain.
2: Well, thank you very much for, for that summary, Esther, and thank you very much for joining us on yeah. the Paddock and the Pavilion. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Back on March the 3rd, 2016, the New Market Journal used its front page to launch a campaign to honor Ellen Challoner, one of the most remarkable women in the history of horse racing, to mark the 170th anniversary of her birth. Reporter Tina Murray had been contacted by Chris Lysak, whose family connection to Ellen went back through his mother's family, who had been saddened to discover the racing history maker was lying in an unmarked grave in Newmarket Cemetery. The story published in the journal was seen by Ellen's great-granddaughter, Marietta Crickar, in 2021, and she carried on the campaign. The Journal's news editor, Alison Hayes, was instrumental in getting a road in Newmarket named Chaloner Way in Ellen's honour. I'd now like to welcome our next guest, uh, Marietta Crickar, great-granddaughter of Ellen Chaloner, and Charlie Swan, I'll get this right, the great-great-grandson of Ellen. Ellen Challoner. Well, thank you both for joining me. Uh, And you're both related through Ellen's son, George, who uh, was a jockey and actually was second in the Derby in 1895, another part of your racing dynasty. Yes,
4: that's correct. Marietta, I'd like
2: to start with with you. It it seems a long time since... uh, Charlie sent an email to me in late October 21. He copied you in um, to start your campaign to get the recognition that Ellen deserves.
4: Yes, that's right.
2: How did did you go about uh, your campaign?
4: Well, it just happened. I was sort of watching some rather rubbishy television and I felt I had to do something constructive. It was during the COVID period in 2021, I think that's right. And looking through my cousin Susie's papers, I came across a copy of a newspaper article stating that my great-grandmother, Ellen Challoner, was buried in an unmarked grave. And I thought, gosh, I've really got to do something about this. And, uh, you know, I've got to... you know, And that's how it all started. And so then I started researching and trying to get hold of the right people and then eventually i think i contacted you and together we worked together rectifying and getting ellen challoner to have a stone on her grave
2: yes i interviewed most of the guests here today on the podcast actually about 12 months ago yeah, which really right. got the ball rolling didn't it
4: yeah and that's right and i badgered my family you know so we all worked together to get the stone to, for the headstone to happen and for the to be on the grip On the grave, you know. So I'm really delighted that you know we've succeeded.
2: And you came down here to Newmarket in October, where we looked at the the sort of grave area. Can you update us on the work that uh, your uh, Tom and Judy are doing on the headstone? Well, as far as I
4: know, um, the headstones are on their way. I'm not quite certain from where, uh, but. uh, (laughs) <laughs> oh, and they are due to arrive at the end of April. So, and then, you know, I've got my family, you know, Justin Chaloner, he organised the GoFundMe account. And then from then onwards, I think we got my son involved and my nephew involved. And I think through you, with, through a contact, we alerted the jockey club who showed interest and said that they would pay for half the, the balance of the account. I, I think that's correct.
2: Yeah, and there's a very large area now, isn't there, because there's two graves. Yeah, um, that's
4: right. And, with, you know, they, in fact, they've been so generous that pay, they paid the balance for the other grave. And now there's still money coming into the uh, GoFundMe uh, account, which is great, actually.
2: Because one of the graves has got Ellen in with members of the family and the other one's got Tom, yeah. her husband, who, yeah. as Esther pointed out, was a successful trainer and also a Derby-winning jockey. Yeah,
4: that's, that's, that's right, that's right. So, I'm, you know, I'm really glad, you know, with everybody pulling together, that we've succeeded in this happening.
2: Turning to you, Charlie, um, you're, you're a week early here with Cheltenham being next week, unless you're staying for the next sort of ten days.
5: Yeah, no, i have to go home, unfortunately.
2: (laughs) But thanks very much for joining us this morning. Uh, How much did you know about Ellen growing up in Ireland?
5: Well, um, I suppose when I started riding, my mum kept telling me that, you know, my great-great-grandmother and my great-great-grandfather used to ride and train horses, but it sort of went over my head a little bit when I was that age. I didn't really think about it, really, and... It's really only in the last few years I suddenly realised that um, where you know where my <coughs> riding talents probably came from. Because
2: <laughs> your your mother Teresa is a Challoner.
5: That's right. Yeah, she's a sister of of Marietta. Yeah. yeah you're
2: really part of a a racing dynasty with the Osbournes, the Challoners, and now the Swans. Now, gone excuse now to get Harry's name mentioned as well because he's <laughs> been riding lots of winners the last few days. So.
5: <laughs> yeah. Yeah no it's great and he's riding for a lady trainer tomorrow so it's you know onwards and upwards yeah.
2: And what are your thoughts on an Ellen Challoner Stakes being run at New Markets Rowley Mile?
5: Yeah no it's you know it's fantastic it's great that she's getting the recognition and you know hope hopefully I'll be able to make it there that day but it's you know that, thanks to you Stephen you really got the ball rolling as well on that so thanks.
2: Well, it's good that it's a, it's a listed race in kind. The dam of Frankel won the race in two thousand and five.
5: That's right. Yeah. So you know, plenty. Hopefully, some good, some good fillies can win. You know, can win this race.
2: Well, hopefully, you'll be there on on two thousand Guineas Day, Coronation Day. And thank you both for joining joining us on the podcast.
4: It's a pleasure, and I'm so pleased it's been successful.
2: <laughs> thank you both. Great. Thanks, Stephen. the paddock and the pavilion podcast now has a wide archive of shows from joseph o'brien and park lane stables to fairbreak and michael holding either go to the sports social podcast network page or subscribe to apple podcasts google or spotify i'd now like to call our next two guests uh, tim cox and sir mark prescott Right, Tim, um, co-author of The Heath and the Horse, a very well-known book. I hope it is. A racing ho- and a racing historian. Thank you very much for, for joining me this morning. You've been doing a lot of research recently on Ellen Chaloner's training career. What can you tell us about the research you've been doing?
6: Um, I, I think it's something that we sh- should be doing and needs to be completed. Um, Mrs. Chaloner, I think, as you said earlier, has disappeared. And I thought it'd be interesting just to find out what sort of trainer she was and how she went about her job. She took over almost immediately in April 1886. I did come across a newspaper report that in August of that year she was out on the Heath training with her young daughter, who I think would have been about 14 uh, at the time. So immediately there's a record of her... Uh, running uh, the stable and uh, being on the heath training the horses. It's a relatively modest training career, but it is very family-orientated. About two-thirds of the horses uh, that she ran were owned by her. About half were ridden by one of her sons. The other 15% were uh, ridden by her brother. Um, So it's... uh, She's running a family business and I think she had a stud a small stud farm at the bottom of Side Hill uh, where she was uh, breeding horses as well. So she was making her money really from training horses, breeding the horses, but also dealing. I think she was that sort of actively involved uh, trainer and that's how she she made her living. It was a modest uh, affair, but very family orientated.
2: Her most famous victory came, though, in June 1887 when she had a winner at Royal Ascot.
6: Yes, this was uh, it was on the last race on the card. It was uh, a, a subscription race that uh, it was the second year of that uh, particular subscription, ridden by her son, George, owned by her, a horse called Jersey Lily, uh, and then it ran again in the same race, the third year of that particular subscription, but she only came fourth, but she did win at Royal Ascot.
2: But it was a decent, she was a decent horse, it ran in the oaks.
6: Yeah, yeah, but didn't win it, that was the yeah. frustration.
2: And what was um, Newmarket like, like in the 1880s? Uh,
6: it was a much smaller training uh, establishment than it is now. Now I think there are about 3,000 horses uh, registered um, to train at uh, Newmarket. In those days you'd have got about 1,000 training uh, in the stables so the stables were relatively small compared to the uh, stables you have now uh, so it must have been a quieter town still a town centered on horse racing
2: this was the time of fred archer the famous jockey
6: yes tom challoner as a jockey was fated as a fantastic jockey a stylish jockey his brother-in-law john osborne was uh, well regarded as well, but they were up against Fred Archer, um, who had been champion jockey for 13 years, but sadly died uh, suicide uh, later in the year. And
2: Tom Chaloner won the derby in 1863 uh, on Macaronia, horse trained at Palace House Stables, where the National Horse Racing Museum is now.
6: Yes, I mean, that's an interesting link, and one of Mrs Chaloner's son married a daughter of Jem Godding, who was training at Palace House, so there is an interesting link there for the museum.
2: Why did Ellen Challoner stop training?
6: Um, it's not absolutely clear, and there's no report that she did stop, but there was a fire in January 1894 in Osborne House, a fire in one of the upper floors, the tack room, and sadly one of the horses was killed. I think that might have just caused a reappraisal of what she was doing uh, and her son took over, uh, Richard.
2: But likely she was still involved.
6: I can't think she wasn't. Um, I think she was that sort of woman that she was steeped in racing and all aspects of racing, as I said earlier, Uh, and she came from a racing family, so it's almost impossible to think that she wasn't uh, involved. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Tim. Thank you.
2: Turning to you, to you Samark, um, any excuse but um, a belated happy birthday and Thank also you. congratulations on winning the 2022 ARC with Alpinista. Thank
7: you very much. That was
2: great. Um, I understand through Tim that um, you spoke to your predecessor at Heath House, Osborne House, Jack Waugh, um, about Ellen Challoner because Jack War remembers meeting her. What can you tell us about that?
7: Yes, he was very well aware of Mrs Chaloner and he always told all of us that, you know, Osborne Yard was Mrs Challoner's yard and she was very well respected. He, you know, he he obviously knew her pretty well.
2: And are there any ghosts of uh, Ellen Challoner at Osborne
7: House? No, I'd love to meet her. Um, The uh, the Heath House, the other side of the road, of course, is where Fred Archer was and, and Matt Dawson and they're both supposed to haunt the yard and I tramp round every night at 10 o'clock and I'm dying to meet them, but (laughs) uh, I'm afraid I haven't.
2: (laughs) Well, Ellen did live until she was 98, so there's
7: still chance. She outlived all her children, which, you know, is a most unusual thing. How many children did she have? Uh, Seven. seven. She outlived them all, so um, she was a remarkable woman and she lived in some style. I mean, Osborne House, which is there and named after the family, uh, there's ten bedrooms in it, and the cellars are absolutely massive, and a uh, servant's wing and servant's stairs. and So she she lived in some style, but we found from the, that when she died, there was just her and two servants living in the house, so quite what had happened, I don't know. But at one stage, she lived in some style, and the famous photograph of the yard, uh, the yard is more or less unchanged, but number 12 box in the photograph at the time, it's got uh, lovely curtains in, so I suppose that was probably a saddle room. One son lived in the top loft and rode them, and the other son lived in the top loft and did most of the training. And then there was the, uh, as Tim has said, the little stud across the way. So they had a little business going and just 19 boxes. There's only There's only 19 boxes there. And when I inherited, when Mr. War bought the yard, he was very old school and very tough and Mrs. War said that he, he took her over to see the yard and Mrs. War said, oh, isn't it lovely with all those lovely creepers climbing up the wall? He said, we'll soon have those off the bloody wall. <laughs> so uh, anyway, he, he took it all off and, and I put it all back so she'd be pleased with me.
2: And as as someone who loves racing history, how significant
7: do you think Ellen Chaloner is? I'm very proud of her. I always tell everybody when they look round the round the stables, you know. And of course, she she had designed it because we know don't, that, that the Chaloners built the modern victor well the Victorian boxes. We we know, and we know they did because of a planning application. And there's 19 boxes there. And when you walk into the first box, all the doors are connected so that when you look round evening stables, you saw all 19 horses without going outside. And, of course, they'd have all twisted in beautifully. And uh, I'd, I'd love to go round stables with her, yeah.
2: Today we've heard that the Kilvington Stakes is going to be renamed the Ellen Challoner Stakes, and uh, you won the Kilvington Stakes in 2010.
7: Any chance of a runner this year? Well, it's a nasty fast race, isn't it? Six furlongs. It's all a bit speedy for me, but... Um, I, uh, <laughs> I did win it once with uh, a part Park filly who, who went on and bred a good horse and as somebody just said, you know, it's got a very good record for producing good, good fillies that become good dams.
2: Well, thank you very much for joining me uh, this morning. Uh, I know you've been doing some filming today at uh, Heath House and Osborne House, but thank you again for being on
7: the show. Great pleasure. Thank you all very much indeed. Thank you.
0: Thank you.
2: My next guest, Gay Kellaway. (laughs) Welcome to the Paddock and the Pavilion again, uh, Gay.
8: Uh, Welcome, Stephen, to you too, because you've done a great job.
2: Thank you very much. Well, firstly, we must congratulate you on last week's Community Award at the Thoroughbred Industry Employees Award for your fantastic work you've been doing in Ukraine.
8: Yes, thank you very much. And it's not just me, I had a lot of volunteers as well.
2: Yeah, we've featured it on the, the podcast, we must do that again. But um, the work you've been doing has been fantastic too. been going across Europe. How many times have you been across there?
8: We've been across four times and rescued a few horses, cats, dogs and and some people into boot. But obviously me, it's animals first.
2: You mentioned actually on our original podcast chat about Ellen Challoner that there should be a race named after her. What's your reaction to today's news?
8: Oh, it's fantastic, and it's not just an ordinary race, it's on the Guinness Day, and it's a listed race for fillies, so it's very appropriate. As you can see, Ellen, in that picture, she clearly, when I look at that picture and read it, she clearly looks a very strong lady, and she rides side-saddle, and I tell you something, side-saddle is not easy to ride. Uh, So She's obviously a very skilled horsewoman as well as a skilled trainer, and um, holding a crop, which Father used to have when he rode out. I know Sir Mark probably still got one, um, which were very common amongst the trainers. Often the stable boys used to fill the other end. But, um, yeah, she looks a very strong lady, so it's wonderful that we've is arisen this and you've brought it to light and to, to name a race after, and it's a great privilege for racing, and we must, mustn't lose our heritage in horse racing, particularly in Newmarket. From when I first came in the 70s, remembering... When I first moved moved to Newmarket, there was lots of little people. Not so much now, (laughs) but there was lots of little people, and I thought, oh, this is where all the little people live because they're going to be jockeys. You know, when you're a kid at 13, and moved on my birthday, actually, when I was 13, my father moved to Newmarket, Shalfleet Stables on Berry Road. And, uh, yeah, so it's been... I love Newmarket for horses. It's it's a great place for horses, more so than people. I bought my stable. That was built in 1883... In Exning, Newmarket, I renamed the, the stables after the Queen Alexandra Stakes at Ascot because obviously I rode the winner in 1987 at, at Ascot. So it, it means a lot to me and a and heritage being a woman as well so early on and I know how difficult it was uh, as a trainer uh, when I first got my licence in the early 90s and being obviously a jockey when the jockey club did not want women to participate as jockeys professionally in racing.
2: Talking about your win at Royal Ascot in 1987, you were the first woman to ride a winner at Royal Ascot and 100 years earlier, Ellen was the first woman to train a horse to win at Royal Ascot, quite a double.
8: It was. It would be interesting to know what race you won, actually, because I won the Queen Alexandra, hence that's why I named my stable after it, and I got the memorabilia, fortunately, of the, of the, of the race to, to over over my stables which was great from Ascot. But it would be interesting to know what exact race she won.
2: Yeah, it's the triennial stakes, isn't it, Tim?
8: What distance? Distance? I think
2: seven furlongs or a mile, I think, okay. yeah, which is it's possibly now the jersey stakes. Would but, that be uh, right,
8: Mark? You'd know? Yeah, OK.
2: We talked about, well, Esther talked about Florence Nagel, who was one of the first uh, women to get an official licence in 1966. You met Florence Nagel.
8: I'd had the privilege of meeting her. She sponsored... Well, they had a race named after her at Kempton, the Florence Nagel Stakes, which was probably the first, if I recall, the first professional lady apprentice race ever on on, on a race card in the UK. And, yeah, I was on the... Because I would be, won a lot of races, I was top professional, previously top amateur, still the youngest amateur 18 champion and when I rode that day I was on an odds on shot and I got beat I remember I got beat Alison Harper who runs the racing school now uh, won the race but yeah she was she was a lovely lady um, I think she was in a, she must have been in the mid-90s or something but she was still very forward going and very strong and yeah an amazing lady
2: I think there are about Tim did some research for me last year about 20% women trainers now what are your thoughts on the numbers
8: It's still quite low. I I don't think I've ever come across a bad lady trainer. I'm probably biased, but I think so many good women trainers now in the country... Uh, there's a lot of bad men trainers. No disrespect to Mark, because you're a very good trainer in my book, um, and you're one of the few that are still left in Newmarket. <laughs> I'm getting one of the oldest in Newmarket trainers, so which is quite funny. Yeah, so it's um, we, you know the names keep coming up. I mean, I had the privilege of meeting Cricky Head, who trained a brilliant mare called Trev, and I got a beautiful photograph of keep signed. She was a trainer in, in Chantilly, a brilliant trainer. And also her family, the heritage there is amazing for France because the head family are so so well-known. Yeah, there's been some great, great trainers. Of course, countless Grand National uh, ladies have trained winners, Jenny Pittman being the first, I believe. So, yeah, there's some really, really good good trainers.
2: But special today, though, for, on International Women's Day, to be making this announcement...
8: Yeah, it's amazing and, and well done to you, Stephen. I think it's great that you've brought it to light, and, and I hope we can um, have her great days racing and also with the headstone as well. I think that's amazing. Well,
2: thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> My final guest, uh, I'd like to welcome Susie Wilkes, great granddaughter of Ellen Challoner. Hello, Susie. Hello, Stephen. I've met you a lot on Zoom and telephones, but not actually in person until today. Thanks for coming down all the way from Scotland. You, you've beaten the snow. Yes, yep. That's later in the week, isn't it? Yeah. Yes,
0: tomorrow, I think.
2: Well, you, might not, you might not get back home then, no? True. Well, there's uh-huh. worse places to be than, than Newmarket if you're a, a racing fan. One of the things I know about yourself is that your mother uh, met Ellen Chaloner and you can remember speaking to your mother about Ellen Chaloner. What was Ellen Chaloner like?
0: I think the last time my mother met her was probably in about 1936, just 37, just before the war. My parents were living in India at the time and they were home on leave. And when they were home, they always went, came racing at Newmarket. And uh, that's when she would have last seen her uh, because they never got back to England till after the war, by which time Ellen had died. She was a very formidable lady... She was very deaf at the time and my mother said it was always quite embarrassing having conversations with her because most of the racecourse could hear because she shouted at you. And I believe she was, in her later years, in a wheelchair and the racecourse built a plinth for her at the finishing post so she could wheel her wheelchair up onto the plinth and watch the racing from there.
2: Because I think she voted in a by-election about... Through two or three days before she died. Yes, so yeah. yes. And can I leave the final word from you about Ellen Challoner? There's so many Challoners here today and Osborne's and Swans, a lot really.
0: Well, I think we're all very, very grateful for, um, to the Jockey Club and to everyone who's made all this possible. And it's very humbling and a very great honour to have a race named after her, especially on Guineas Day. Well, thank you very much for joining me, Susie, and thank you very much. Thank you, Stephen.
2: Just a few thank yous to end the podcast, really. I'd like to thank all the guests this morning. Uh, thank Special thanks to the Jockey Club, Joe and Sophie, and for the Jockey Club rooms for hosting today's event. Uh, hopefully... Today we'll mean Ellen Challoner, the trailblazing trainer as I coined her, the first woman trainer, will get proper recognition in horse racing on this special day, International Women's Day. Thank you all for coming. <clears throat> Intro and outro voiceovers by Marguerite Webley. Editing and production of this podcast by DMJ Imagery.
1: Thank you for listening to The Paddock and the Pavilion. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Pad and Pad. Don't forget, if you like the show, please do leave us a rating and review.
4: Sports Social Podcast Network.